0: SPS Radio Hour. Thanks for joining us today, or if you're live, and thanks for joining us today if you're listening uh, from one of our downloads. Um, today we are going to have a conversation with some of our friends from National Geodetic Survey, and we're going to be talking about the advisor program. And I think in, the, in our newsletter I mentioned, I think probably most of the people who will be listening to this show Will have some knowledge of the program, and certainly many of them will have utilized the program in in one way or another. Um, so first, let me introduce the guests, and we'll we'll move on a little bit further. We have Ross McKay. Welcome, Ross. Hi, uh, yeah, Kurt. We have Dan Martin. Hi, Kurt. And we have Dana Kakamas. Thank you all for joining me today. Um, I'm not sure among all those names whose may be most familiar. I guess it depends on what part of the country people are in, because I know the three of you have worked. Um, I guess, Dan, has your entire time been in New England?
1: Uh, yeah, I was um, about 13 years as the uh, Vermont advisor and just recently to uh, to the regional. So, yeah, I've been here the whole time.
0: Yeah, and
2: Dan, have you, have you been
0: on the West Coast?
2: Um, no, I'm pretty new, recent to this job, but I've been doing my best to meet everybody recently.
0: Well, that's a that's a, I don't know how big your territory is, but when when back here on the East Coast, when we think about the West, we think of it as being really big. So, <laughs>
1: you know, There's on the other lot, hand, we got Dan
0: of- up there in New England, and and it, geographically, I, how many how many states are in your region, Dan?
1: Um, I've got uh, eight states total: the six New England states uh, plus uh, New York and New Jersey.
2: Wow! And Dana's your how big is yours? Uh, I've got California, and Nevada. But by population, Dan and I have like two-thirds of the United States.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and and I guess
0: uh, size-wise, California and Nevada probably consume as much land space as, as Dan's group, too.
1: Probably and, times three. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. And, and, Ross, I know, I think the first time you and I
3: met years
0: and years ago, you were in Kentucky at that time, I think.
3: Yeah, that's right. I was the state advisor in Kentucky, and we... We probably first met at one of their uh, surveyor conferences. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm sure that was true. And and then did you get into a regional group before moving to D.C.? or? No, I, I came to D.C. to help to them uh,
3: invent this regional program. So I see, okay. Transition has happened over the last several years. So uh, for the audience's
0: sake, in terms of, of coverage, um, I guess you guys have pretty much got it. Most of the of the different types of people throughout the country covered. Uh, of course, uh, I guess Ross, you and I can relate more to the the folks in the region where you were being, where I grew up was almost in Kentucky. Um, but uh, it, it's been an interesting program and one that's been extremely useful from the surveyor's perspective, from the practicing surveyor's perspective. And I, I hope that it's been a, a good. Situation for for you guys and for NGS uh, as a whole, um, and I know that we're going to go into some transition. You guys are already working in that direction and have begun it, uh, and so I, I want to talk with our audience about that today. And, I, and you guys will be able to share with us some your own stories about how it's uh, you you perceive it to work and how people in your particular regions are. Are dealing with it, but maybe a good way to start, and I'm not sure, Ross, how you want to orchestrate this um, in terms of history about the program as it was formed and why and how it worked for all those years, and and if the three of you want to share that, that topic, that's fine with me, so maybe we'll just start with you, Ross, and then you can pass along to, to Dan or Dana, either one.
3: Sure. Um, you know, this really started out as a program completely out of self-interest for the geodetic survey. Of course, it was the Coast and Geodetic Survey at that time. <clears throat> and, you know, through the, especially through the 1900s, 30s and 40s especially, we uh, we put a lot of brass in the ground, and we never stopped putting brass in the ground. So Between the horizontal and vertical network, you know, you, you can't walk very far across the country without stumbling over a mark. And uh, the The issue came of preserve, you know, after putting all that brass in the ground, how do we preserve it? Because things happen, you know, things get destroyed for one reason or another, construction or just the, you know, the elements will take care of a mark, degradation. Um, Leveling in particular was vulnerable because it was always right long railroad lines or highways and whenever maintenance work was done for a long stretch along those there would be a lot of mark destruction so the concern came up when you know when marks started disappearing in big numbers uh, usually what would happen was someone would be sent out from the nearest triangulation party or the nearest leveling party they would just go so out they, we'd hear of marks uh, being vulnerable, and we'd send someone out to take care of that, to um, put them back in the ground, remeasure things. And it was to keep the National Spatial Reference System accessible. That's always been the goal. Um, Then in the mid, we looked and tried to get some history just recently. We dug into our archives. A lot of it's disappeared, unfortunately, but we could find some memos sent out in the mid-'70s that referenced this earlier work. And going back into the 1950s, they would actually assign someone to take care of a region. Those were mark maintenance men. Our nickname for them was the mark dusters. They would make sure every mark in their region, you know, they'd get the word out that I'm the guy you contact, and then they would go out and replace marks or try to preemptively make sure they didn't get destroyed. Sometime in the 70s, it got a little more formalized. Uh, We actually had a marked maintenance program in place at that point with these carved-up regions. And then moving into the 80s, it got redefined a bit as the state advisor program. The state advisor program expanded the role a little bit into not just self-interest for the geodetic survey, but to serve the surveying community. State advisors would make an effort to go to state conferences and offer training, uh, um, assist surveying organizations with different uh, geodetic activities. And that's really the precursor to what we're seeing today. Um, but that state program was a cost share program. It was, and by that I mean that we actually had an agreement with each state government, the state government would pay about half the cost of having the NGS employee out there, and NGS would pay the rest of the cost. So it was a cooperative program, a cost-share program. The state advisor was housed in a state office building. Uh, a lot of times it was through the DOT, sometimes Department of Natural Resources and there are all sorts of relationships that we had at that time and up to the present. Um, this is the way it, we maintained the program for quite some time, but we only ever reached about half the states this way. So we had half the states that didn't come into an agreement with us. Agreement um, with and. and- That's when we got concerned that, you know, we have to rethink this so we can reach all the states. And about in the late 2009, 2010, uh, NGS came to the conclusion that we had to go to a regional program and we started tossing around different ways that we might accomplish this. Um, And that's enough of me meandering on history there.
0: Well, actually, it's it's really interesting to, to have that conversation because as you were going through the process of discussing that, I'm thinking back to all my history and surveying, whether it was for the DOT in Virginia early on and then after college uh, out on my own. But that whole concept of looking for the markers, uh, when you talked about the ones along the railroads and the highways being destroyed, that was always uh, an interesting dilemma to run into in trying to figure out how to get what you need and then of course back in the mountains where i grew up crawling up on those mountaintops finding the ones uh i remember there's a there's a, a mountain in southwest of virginia called white top mountain which is uh, and then uh, the highest mountain is, is, is near the highest mountain in the state and i did a project there years ago and standing up on top of that mountain from my mark i could see three or four different states i think but um, it was it was just an interesting adventure every time going out looking for the marks and then being able to use them and even today it's 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 such a big deal with lots of different people that the geocachers have gotten into the whole idea of, of locating these things and I think maybe they even could have contributed to some degree to your information about marks not necessarily in keeping them up but at least getting information about them I, mean, I, I think that's true.
3: Oh, yeah, that's definitely true. And we've uh, really benefited from the geocachers, especially for vertical control, Mark, because you know, the nature of vertical control is we, we didn't have a good horizontal position for them. Uh, it would just be scaled off of a quad sheet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go out, and if you, were, if you ever tried to find a benchmark, you get out there and you can be really hunting around, kicking around in the woods, kicking oh, yeah. over the... the brush trying to find the darn thing. So in the, in the de- geocachers have made that effort and put a good coordinate on those points for us to get it, get it updated in our data sheet. So I guess, and we're a
0: couple of minutes away from break, so I won't jump into anything else too quickly here, but I guess one of the things that's more than likely on the minds of the surveyors when we kind of go away from the mark system, so to speak, uh, in the coming years, uh, it, when I talk to people, sometimes it's almost like that strikes fear in their heart that you know we spent our entire lives depending on on marks. And uh, I, I guess maybe one of the things we can talk about today is is how that whole system is going to work once you go into that, the transition side of things.
3: Well, that is a big motivation for this uh, changeover to a regional system and uh, make sure every state has someone taking care of them from National Geodetic Survey, is because of this dependency on passive control is coming to an end. Uh, the National Spatial Reference System, actually of now, but definitely in the future with our new datums coming down the road just a couple of years, uh, we're going to be completely in an active control situation using the CORES network, and that's going to be the primary access to the National Spatial Reference System. We want surveyors to have everything at their disposal to ensure that they can have access to the NSRS. We wanted to make sure every state was covered, so we had to go to a regional approach.
0: Right. And so we're we're about ready for break. I guess uh, Dan can respond to this when we come back, maybe, Dan, too. But uh, it sounds like, uh, Dan, the job of still going to state conferences instructing people on how to do things looks like that job's just going to keep on going forever and ever and ever because that's become such a big part of, of the surveying education side so let's go to our first break and we'll be back in a couple
3: of minutes
4: Want to know if your Shonsted locator is still under warranty? Go to Shonsted.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left hand corner enter your six digit serial number and it will tell you everything you need to know Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com.
5: America's Web Radio is the most diverse and informative radio station anywhere in cyberspace. We have shows about health, business, current events, entertainment, home care, and everything in between. We appreciate your continued support of America's Web Radio.
6: Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number. 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's dot com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for Quickstakes today. Attention surveyors,
4: Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA-52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA-92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.Seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better.
5: You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com. The pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
0: Welcome back for our second segment today with Ross, Dan, and Dano. We a very interesting trip down memory lane, so to speak. Ross, in the in the first segment, I don't want to cut that short. I also don't want to steal too much of your time moving forward, um, but. Uh, if there's anything we left out or needed to say with regard to the history, we can pick that up and then move on maybe to uh, talk about the regional program or perhaps maybe Dan and Dana have something they'd like to add from that first segment.
1: Um, yeah, I guess just a, a couple of things. I mean, I, I know um, in, in Vermont when we talk about the, the state advisor program, um, Vermont's had a, um, in England really in general, I guess has had a, a pretty good history of um the participation in that our uh vermont's first genetic advisor uh was milo robinson um actually had had done a uh a few years spent i think in rhode island as the uh as a state genetic advisor before he came to to vermont in about 1990 and then milo stayed in in vermont um for about 10 years and then we had uh had another gentleman came in um for a couple years i guess before before i took the position so uh um, and of course, Kurt uh, Kurt Crow in, uh, had been long-time New Hampshire GED advisor, but uh, was uh, in a way almost maybe one of the first uh, semi-regional advisors, where he, uh, he he did a a, a dual uh, dual duty between both Massachusetts and New Hampshire, so to split his time between those two states. So uh, I know in um, in the New England states there's a, there's a pretty good history of that of that working, but. You know with that said, the other thing that, that we've seen I think I think ross would would certainly agree from from his historic perspective is that uh, many times even though we had a uh, an advisor who was um, you know who was a state advisor you know for instance the state of Vermont it was it was very common to work um, pretty cooperatively across state borders um to you uh, I mean, not on a regular basis or a significant basis but certainly uh, we were there, um, I think, for you know, for an email or a telephone call, um, and occasionally to uh, to skip across the border, maybe to do a presentation or something at one of the surveyors or the GIS group's workshops. So uh, I think there's been um, uh, a pretty uh, consistent uh, relationship. I think even on a regional basis, even when we were when we were sort of tagged as being a, a state advisor, I think we uh, we sort of played a role within that region. Um, unofficially probably for quite a long time
0: right well i don't know dan if you have anything to add or if we just move on to the regional part but
2: well i was just thinking real quick you know i'm new to the agency and the agency has a huge scientific background in fact it was the original science agency in the united states set up by Thomas Jefferson and with me being new to the agency you know i was kind of brought in the elixir of excellence in geodesy you know and i came from Ohio State. Well, what's exciting to me is the history is important and it's rich and we stand on the shoulders of giants. But looking forward, it's never been more important for programs like this because everybody is geospatial today, no matter what you're doing, yep. surveyor, oh. GIS user, everything. So for me, what's really exciting is not only being able to extend that science today and teach and, and get, interact with the community, but it's also, you know, relating, you know, the history of it and looking forward into the new and exciting things that are coming down the pipes at unbelievable rates.
0: That's very true, and I'm going to assume, Ross, that the whole evolution of the geospatial sector has some impact on going regional. I would also assume maybe economics had something to do with it, and maybe even the fact that surveyors in general, whether they're federal employees or a local guy down the street, are all getting older and retiring. So I've got to think maybe all of
3: those things had something to do with it. Oh, yeah, our workforce is definitely graying, uh, and, but uh, actually NGS has done a good job in just the last six months or so. We have really been depleted over the last few years, and now we're in the hiring phase again, trying to get a, a new generation, and it kind of meets, uh, we're gearing up for the new datum, the, the 2022 datum, that probably that's a whole other discussion, but right. Uh, that's an very important part of the transition to regional program is we wanted to ensure that we had people available to the surveying community and the geospatial community in general to help with that transition and then it's kind of reflective of the NGS did a lot of hiring in the late 70s in order to gear up for N8083 and those are the people that ran out their careers. We hired them young. They they stayed a good time, and that's how old that datum is now. Is a, you know, most all those people are retired or are close to retirement. So it's time to bring in a new generation and get moving towards this new datum.
1: It occurs. It's like I think get back to a second of what what Dana was saying, and to and to, to pick up on the on the questions you had for me before break, you know, relative to, to conferences and training. I think. Um, as Dana pointed out, um, it's you know years ago. I think you know the the, the, the genetic advisors to to the to the greatest extent. I think probably interacted with the surveying community. That those were our customers. Those are the people who were who were using our survey marks. You know, occasionally an engineer, right? But uh, but you know, surveyors in general. Um, today, that is just so so far from 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 reality. I mean. Uh, you know, we, we interface with emergency management people. We interface with the GIS community. Uh, you know, we work with, uh, with universities and colleges. Um, we, you know, it's, it runs a gem. I mean, virtually, you know, any, uh, any person today, uh, including the public, has the ability to, to determine their position with an incredible level of accuracy compared to, you know, compared to the past in a matter of seconds with a, you know, for, for about a hundred bucks, they can get out of Walmart and buy their, their Ronco Pocket GPS slash fishing pole receiver. <laughs> um, and, and, and next thing you know, you know, they can get a position anywhere, virtually. And, um, so, I mean, I, I find myself even, you know, fielding, fielding questions. And, you know, my, my phone number and email address is, is on the, is on the advisor webpage, like, like the rest of the advisors. Have you know, I, I feel questions from, from the general public. They call in and they say, hey, I need to have my property surveyed, or, or they have a question about flood insurance or something. Of course, I steer them <laughs> to somebody other than, than MGS to answer those questions. But um, the, the user community, uh, I say the user community, it's it's it's, it's expanded. But um, even from the general public standpoint, um, they're much more informed um, and much more active. We using those technologies, and, and they really become part of our, our customer base um, at, at the same time. So there's you know, almost nobody that, that we don't, on a at least semi-regular basis, uh, interact with occasionally.
0: Was that a fact well established enough when the regional program concept came up that it was a factor, or was it sort of something that occurred that that's so, sort of facilitated the whole regional concept
3: it definitely wasn't uh, recognized um, we take a careful look at our web statistics and in uh, one of the questions that commonly comes up that little annoying pop-up that comes up to ask you to take a survey <laughs> <clears throat> we get you know we have a lot of conscientious w- uh, people that come to our website that bother to fill that out and it's very very helpful for us to get a good picture of who is visiting us. And it became very clear, looking at those responses, that there was a user community out there that we were underserving. Um, still, the overwhelming majority of people that come to get data from NGS are the surveyors, no doubt about it, and they're a chief component of our constituents. But this larger geospatial community is is something we are looking towards, we're reaching out towards, and um, as Dan was saying, you know, we try to get people to the GIS conferences as well as the surveying conferences to try to reach that broader geospatial community, and there's exactly. people out there we still need to have, do a better job of reaching, and that that's a challenge to the regional advisors to find those constituents that don't even know they need us. <laughs> they, they, you know, you assume that that coordinate that your little black box is giving you is is, uh, is you know uh, just truth. But you know, we want to make an educated user community because there's decisions being made on those coordinates, and they should know what exactly it is they're reading.
0: Yeah, I guess that that concept of finding the people who don't know they need us is is uh, germane to to surveyors in general, whether they're geodetic surveyors or land surveyors or whatever the case may be. But when the regional program was set up, how many regions were created?
3: Well, we tossed that around quite a bit. Um, ideally, there would be 50 regions. <laughs> yeah. we, we couldn't quite afford that. Um, and it was, you know, we had to play, this came down to a uh, very much a budget issue trying to balance what NGS can afford combined with, uh, you know, the the needs of the, the nation. So after struggling and many debates with the Executive Steering Committee on, you know, if the regional program gets something, that means some other program in NGS isn't going to get a piece of the budget. So there's a lot of compromises that come into that. And we ended up with 14 regions. Um, we, we thought that that was something we could justify in our budget. There's still a lot of sacrifices that are being made around our organization to help support the program, but um, I don't get too many mean looks anymore. Um, they, they got over that. <laughs> so, And with the 14 regions, we have two unique ones um, that are actually only one state. And those, of course, Alaska, Alaska. Uh, That's a, it's a state and it's a region. There's no denying that's one big place, and it's hard to cover that place. And there's a lot of interest in what's going on up to the far north these days. Oh yeah, Uh, a lot of issues with the Arctic and where it's gonna, you know, how it's gonna be used and economic concerns. But if you get into the economic debates over territorial issues. You're going to want to know exactly where things are. And NAD 83 didn't do a really great job up there. So we're basically um, establishing, for the first time, really good geodetic control in Alaska. And the other one's Hawaii. Uh, Hawaii and the Pacific, which is, that's a big ocean. And uh, there's a lot of American interest out there from Guam, American Samoa, and other territories that uh, the advisor that covers Hawaii is spends a lot of time. When he goes on a trip, he's got quite a distance to go in the plane, and then he stays there for several weeks to ensure the work is done. And yeah,
0: that one's not just hopping in the car and going down the
3: road a little ways. <laughs> so, you know, there, that makes it is kind of a... Unusual to think of it that way, but Alaska's the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, Alaska's not all that different transportation-wise than Hawaii. Once, you know, once you leave Anchorage, you got to be on a plane a lot of times if you expect to get any Yes,
0: Yeah, it's always interesting to talk to the surveyors up there about, I guess, everybody owns a plane because, like you said, there's so many places you can't go. We're ready for our second break here, believe it or not. So... We'll go to that and come back and pick up on our conversation in just a couple of minutes.
4: Attention, surveyors. Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next-generation magnetic locator the Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA-52CX, and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA-92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.Seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better.
1: Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's web radio.
6: Quick stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number. 800 438 0387 or go to quickstate.com that's Q U I K S T A K E dot com and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today.
4: Want to know if your Shonsted locator is still under warranty? Go to Seansted.com and click on warranty finder in the lower left hand corner. Enter your six digit serial number and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty, Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com.
5: You're listening to America's Webradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
0: Since we are talking about the regional program and we now have 14 regional advisors rather than state advisors, it might be a good idea to let people know how they can find their regional advisor.
3: Well, first, just let me clarify a little detail there. Uh, We're not quite in a full-scale regional program yet. Um, Our due date to go completely live with this is tied to our fiscal year. It will be October 1st of this year. Uh, We're in a transition stage right now. Uh, We still have many state advisors out there, but uh, state advisors have been given a transitional title of a region. We call it, we're calling it this year the accelerated transition to a regional program. We've identified which States are in their region, and they're, they've been tasked with getting started to identify uh, partners in that region that they can speak with and, you know, do a liaison role with. Uh, we do have a, a few regions that are completely defined, and Dan and Dana both represent. They're in a full-time regional uh, situation. They're not uh, trying to divide their time as a state
1: advisor as well.
3: So
0: so the Correct. ones who are, are in transition, um, and, and of course not every state has an advisor at this point, right? Right, right. But every yeah.
3: state does have one of these accelerated transition regional advisors, someone that's been identified. Uh, and to get the contact information is easy enough. You can just go on our website and the left-hand column you'll see uh, Geodetic Advisors tag, and you can click that, and once you get to that, you can find a map that lists all the regions and identifies it. Clicking on the region, you can find out who the person is. The so that's the direct
0: NGS site?
3: Yes. Okay. That's geodicy.noaa.gov.
0: Geodicy.noaa.gov. Now, you were talking about this whole transition program going on, but did I understand you earlier to say... That in terms of having a state advisor in every state, you really never had that, so some people were dealing with someone not in their state all along. Is that is that
3: correct? That's right. Well there's a lot of states that we've never reached. Right. You know, when if you know, marks got put in the ground, sometimes you can go out and do some mark recovery and and someone will come out from the house and say, you know, grandpa told us about the time when a big tower was built over this mark. Yeah. And, you know, this is the first we've seen anybody out here to look at it since that happened. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of states that have never had anybody from NGS officially. But, with,
2: but with that said, if I may, we, we do subscribe to an Advisors Without Borders approach as we're going forward right now. So if anybody has a need out there, need to contact, by all means, give us one of us a shout.
3: You know, when they're
2: contacting an advisor, I want to remind everybody: they're they're contacting a group of individuals with a hell of a lot of experience. I wonder if we added up all of our experiences amongst the group of people, we probably have close to five to six hundred years of experience between us. (laughs)
3: That might be true.
2: You know, and furthermore, you know, I'm no expert. I have a lot of experience, and we love to share our experiences. But the point is, I have a hell of a road, Rolodex, and I know who to call if there's a problem. And that's the key of the advisor program, is anybody can call up and get an answer. And, and frankly, the dumbest questions are the ones I'm most interested in. I, they they make my day. You know, when I can sit down and try and explain something, that's really difficult. I mean, God, is hard. But man, if you can help somebody explain it to their boss, of what they're trying to do, and if it helps preserve something that that they feel passionate about or something, you know, and, and I was just thinking as these guys were talking, one of the things that I feel like how you know when you're reaching out to your community, when your community starts sharing their geodetic hobbies with you, that's when you know you're making an impact.
0: Yeah, that's part of the, like, in any portion of, of a profession, I guess, certainly it's it's true in the in the land surveyor part, too, is that whole concept of, of being able to help people with, things they can't do for themselves, and it's so important in their lives, and, and as Dana pointed out, this this is important in people's lives and becoming more important in more and more people's lives, so it, it's, uh, it's a great service that is being provided and has been, and I guess to some degree, up until recent years, the services that you guys have been providing all this time was almost like a secret among surveyors or people in the geospatial community before we knew we had a geospatial community.
2: That, that's right. It, it, we're, we're providing infrastructure. Nobody thinks about the pipes that in the ground when they go in there and flush their toilet or turn on their water faucet to brush their teeth. We, we are the infrastructure for geodesy today and geospatial communities, certainly for, for, I would argue, North America, not just the United States, because we also have to carry our reference frames and datums across the borders to keep everyone united
0: so, Ross, when you're going to, to recruit, so to speak, what are you looking for precisely? I mean, obviously, you need a good educational background.
3: Well, hopefully, you know a thing or two about geodesy. <laughs> yeah, that would be helpful. But that's not all. Um, is, you, we need someone that also can, well, they teach. We need people to communicate these, as Dana was saying, and Dan is a good example of this. Uh, well, thank you. To, to explain these kind of foreign concepts to someone in a way that they can digest it. So we're hopefully when we are recruiting, and by the way, we're not at the moment. We're, we're fully filled out. But when we are recruiting, we're looking for someone that not only understands the geodesy, but also has some experience with communicating to a wide range of constituents the importance of geodesy. And that can be the the dirt kicking surveyor who needs to get a good measurement that he can rely on, tied to the NSRF, but also to explain concepts at a higher level to basically politicians or people that the decision makers and people that have their hands on the the pots of money. Because that can be a real difficult when you're you're in there trying to sell geodesy to to someone that can release the funds to really get some good work done, you know, the last thing you want to do is to put them asleep in 90 seconds by explaining in detail what a geoid is.
0: Yeah, and I think that kind of gets back <laughs> to what Dana was saying. You know, all, all those elements that people don't think about from a, on a daily basis of, as you were saying, where the pipelines are, where everything. It, that services is uh, that that I would think should be a good selling point and one that's hard to convey sometimes as you say
1: yeah I think, yeah. It, I think it, and, and, and in addition to that the um, the uh, I mean like I think like, like like most surveyors could, I think you'd agree most most good surveyors understand their clients needs whether or not the client understands what they're asking for so I find that you know more often, more often than not, I I, I may not be giving uh, when people call in and they have a, they have an issue or they are they looking for information. I I may not give them the information that they were initially looking for. I end up I, I end up talking with them, sort of figuring out you know oh so you need this this vertical control information. Why do you need that? Oh well, I'm doing this. Oh okay, well that really tells me what they what what they need, not necessarily what they want. So I think. Um, you know, the, the, the genetic advisors, I think, just have to be, in general, have to be very well-rounded and understand where their customers come from because um, quite often our customers don't necessarily know what they want. They know they need something. Um, and it's usually our job to try to steer them in that right direction.
0: Yeah, I, I would have to say, in, in my experience, helping people who have an idea of what they want, maybe not understanding it, are sometimes easier to deal with than people who think they understand it but don't really understand it
1: <laughs> right
0: and and i know all of you've been through that <laughs> through that
3: process That's the people it's, that come in that absolutely know everything and they want a position to the tenth of a millimeter
1: yeah
3: <laughs> right and, and you know they're trying to locate the, a barn shed or something on a or a plat, and you're going, no, I don't know if hmm. 10th of a millimeter is what you really need here. <laughs>
1: well, I think the, the other thing to touch on, uh, uh, again, what, what Dan had mentioned is that when you said, you know, call us, we have this, you know, if I don't know the answer, I know somebody who does kind of thing. I think it's important, too, especially through this transition period, is that, um, and I know transitioning, even though I know some of the folks in, in New England transitioning some from the Vermont advisor to, to the Northeast regional advisor, you know my first challenge was was to find out who the players were in these eight states. Mm-hmm. You know all, all all these different DOT folks or agency natural resources or the GIS community. So I would encourage any of the listeners out there, um, you know, if you have an interest, especially if you're working in, in in state government or associated with a with a professional organization or something. Uh, reach out to to the advisor in the region. Let them know who you are and what your what your issues are. Um, I guarantee they would greatly appreciate that contact coming from the other side. It, uh, you know, it's pretty hard for us to, to dig and find out who those folks are.
0: Yep, I, I would agree that that you want people to come to you and, and getting that information out where it's easy for them to find, and maybe we can help with that through this kind of thing. So people realize. Where to start looking, because that's one of the hardest parts in doing anything. You know, whether it's trying to buy a new car or, or <laughs> whether it's, whether you need some information on geodetic positioning, it's it's a tough thing to know where to look. So, the more information we can we can provide, the better. Was well, we're as we're moving on down, we got a, a couple of minutes left in this segment, and we'll probably spend most of the next segment talking about it as well. But uh, and Ross, maybe I can start with you. In, uh, in asking about this, but uh, in surveying for some time we've been talking about bridging the gap uh, between surveying and geospatial and all of the elements that come into play with what we have available to us today. And surveyors aren't the only people who have access to that information the way it, it used to be. And and your terminology, is, and we were having our conversation, was mitigating your service gap and figuring out how you go from where things are and have been to where you'll be in full implementation moving forward. So, and then I hate to even get you started here because we only have a minute left before the break. Uh, but, but I do want you to talk about that as we as we go through uh, the next little while to to let people know what to expect and how to find out information about how you're going to to transition from where we are until then. So I'll give you about 30 seconds or 40 seconds to begin that, and we'll have to take our break.
3: All right. I'll, I'll just help you define that, that term, uh, mitigating the service gap. comes The idea comes up with the fact that a regional advisor is not a state advisor times the number of states in his region. Uh, state advisors were very active in a lot of look, you know boots on the ground efforts, and a regional advisor just can't do that. There's just too much territory to cover, so it's those gaps in service uh, that we want to keep in mind, and we're we're also making plans for. So we can we can discuss that in more detail after the break. Sure, yeah, that'll be great,
0: and and then we'll go on to talk about what the how the services are going to go. I know you mentioned the online services and those kind of things. So let's go do that last break, and we'll be back in a couple of
4: minutes. Attention surveyors! Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next-generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products: the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details, or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead: the best just got better.
6: O three eight seven or go to quickstake.com. That's Q U I K S T A K E dot com and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today.
4: Want to know if your Shonsted locator is still under warranty? Go to shonsted.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com.
5: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening,
0: Ross. Before the break, you were beginning to talk about the the regional advisor not
3: being a state, state advisor. advisor. I may want well to expand, expand on, on this. Yeah, the, the state advisors were very active within the state and a lot of boots on the ground activities, and a regional advisor can't do that. There's just too much territory to cover. Um, this is a concern. We're moving to this regional program. Uh, it's greater breadth in that we're finally going to reach all the states, but it's, you know, less deep because we can't get down to all those boots on the ground activities. And, and how are we going to mitigate that? How are we going to provide services that still, there's still issues that we want to. We uh, and we've taken a lot of parallel tracks with this. Um, we're developing more online resources. It's really self-help. We're trying to do some redesign of our website so that it's easier for people to go out and, and solve problems themselves. Um, that's one role the regional advisor might provide is just to point people in the right direction um, to, to where these services are. Do you uh, We're developing say, do other... Online I'm just
0: training. Ask real quick, real quick. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I've got. I'm, I'm hearing an echo.
3: So, okay. <laughs> go ahead. We're, we're developing online training, and, and this is probably going to take a two years to get everything fully fleshed out. But uh, we're doing the best we can and trying to identify the needs that the surveying community and other geospatial people need, and mm-hmm. then providing online training so they can bring themselves up to speed. Uh, also, we're looking to develop a, a geodetic partners program. We've called this the state coordinators in the past, and this would be a state-identified person that could work with regional uh, co- advisor to get the geodetic activities within that state. They're, they can't totally replace what a state advisor had done in the past, but it a point of contact within the state, someone that knows what's going on geodetically within their state. And this right now is a very fuzzy concept. Uh, what exactly does that mean is a question I've been getting a lot in the last several weeks. And uh, what we're honing in on is NGS is not going to go into 50 states and tell those states, exactly what they need when it comes to this role. We'll let the states define what it means to be a state coordinator, a state genetic coordinator. And then NGS will happily uh, communicate and point of contact and uh, pass information back and forth. It goes both directions. The state communicating its needs up to NGS and NGS passing information back down. But we don't want to limit this. We want to have any, all kinds of people aware of the activities we're doing. So we're going to expand that to our uh, kind of a role of geodetic partners. A geodetic partner could be someone that's involved with a, uh, different specific activities within the state that wants to stay informed of what NGS is doing. So this could reach more of the geospatial community, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, people in height modernization programs that, you know, they have a specific task they're looking at, they need to stay informed of what NGS is doing and how the new datums are progressing? If, would that necessarily be
0: somebody in, a, in an agency, or would, I know there are several companies out I can think of across the well, that, spectrum that are geodetic companies that, you know, provide services and data services to other surveyors, for example.
3: Well, hopefully... Is it likely
0: they would be involved?
3: Yes and no. I mean, it's, it's we want to try to reach people that are actively involved in the program, so that's the yes part. Uh, we're also looking for decision makers, people that have to know uh, how things are going to be done and what changes they have to prepare for. Uh, this, you know, We don't want to overload the Rolodex or you know, when we have a, a conference call, we don't want to have 300 people calling in and trying to have a conversation, so we may have to... Subdivide into the groups if we're, you know, knock on wood, overly successful with this. Right. Uh, ideally, we'd only have a, a couple of people or one or two per state that are the main points of contact, and then they spread out the information from there. But we have to recognize in, in some states it's a more complex situation, and it would have to be more people involved. So one of the things that you had mentioned
0: was, and I don't think we touched on this too heavily yet, was the whole idea of online services and training.
3: Yeah, we've already developed some things in that direction. We've got a a series of online videos that uh, you may have seen that are explaining basic concepts in geodesy. Uh, We're going to be further developing those over the next couple of years. Uh, we're also looking at online or, down, you know, basically a, a download video that goes through the fundamentals of some of our software to teach people, provide self-help in, in the teaching aspect of that. You know, our, our big product right now is OPUS, the online processing software for GPS data and GNSS data. Uh, Dan and Data are both experts at in training on that
1: they've had a lot of experience maybe they'd like to explain a little bit how that's going um yeah sure i'll i'll jump in um yeah it's, i think it's, it's going really quite um quite well i think mean, i've been i've been teaching a a quote-unquote opus uh class uh you know what is and an understanding opus for quite a few years and i think that's you know that gives folks the fundamentals but more and more now we've started to go especially since we've gone regional to. um Trying to do some of this stuff, uh, some of these things online. Um, Opus Projects, of course, is um, is been a huge success for us. Um, the, the baseline processing software um, that, that AMGS runs, and we've actually started teaching that class. Uh, a few of us advisors have started to teach that via webinar, um, which is a bit of a challenge. It's a it's a it's a day and a half uh, to two day long class. Um, with folks calling in from East Coast and West Coast, and so you know, trying to coordinate <laughs> lunch breaks, and uh, you know, and just the fact that you can't see your can't see your, your class uh, your classes eyes uh, to understand if they're understanding a the concept you're talking about is a bit challenging. But um, I think it's it's the way of the future for us um, in order to uh, to reach out to as many people as possible. And uh, you know, it's something that it's, uh, if folks can do it from their from, you know from the comfort of their own office without having to travel across the state or even to another state that uh, it's something that, that they can take uh, multiple times uh, with relative ease to uh, continue to, to bone up on that product so uh, um, I think that's just the, it's just the scratching the surface on some of the things that we'll be doing along those lines in the future
0: sure well, we have about five minutes left Ross and and, Dan and Dana so whatever really important thing we've left out, if there is such a thing, let's make sure we cover it.
2: Well, from my perspective, I think one of the, the big outreaches is the education of our students. You know, they're going to be our replacements in the future, and, and geospatial, and, and being a geodesist is not something that most people know what it is, you know, and I'd like to, you know, moving forward in terms of education, get more people familiar with what geodesy is. And also for, like, students that are studying geodesy when they're in a social environment, and say, oh, what are you studying or what do you do? I'd like to say, I'm a geodesist and have it be an attribute rather than a detriment. And I think this is the problem, is, is that we're in a very highly specialized field that's very, very old, but yet it's, it's almost like the forgotten, you know, script, so to speak. And I and I think that being, you know, an advisor and being able to use these, Training tools and to be able to use these courses to augment it. Yeah, learning Opus Project is really, really important, but it's an opportunity for us to be one-on-one with the community in small group class sizes to basically talk about other things also, and just use that that training course or that Opus Project course as a muse to talk about their problems on a one-on-one basis, where maybe they wouldn't want to call you and interrupt you because they know we're busy. But it gives us an opportunity to be in small groups and basically share our knowledge and experiences in a way that's more meaningful to the individual. And I think that encapsulates basically what the advisor program means to me.
1: I I think it's important, too, Kurt, that, that, uh, and I think, uh, you know, NGS, I think, has always always encouraged this, is, um, you know, we we really do, yes, as Dana mentioned earlier, we're definitely a science agency. Uh, There's no question about that. But we're also, to a great extent, um, a, a service agency. Uh, I think NGS prides itself on on our outreach efforts. Um, I know I hear it from constituents on a regular basis that you know, they, they couldn't believe that somebody actually called them back <laughs> right and, and not only call them back but call them back like in you know the same day or maybe the following afternoon um, So I think it's a, I think it's important from uh, from our perspective is to get the feedback from the user community from the surveyors um, as far as the, to let us know what they need um, quite often you know we, we might try to we might try to make something for for folks but we need to make sure that it's something that they want and it's done in a way that's usable to them so um, as Ross mentioned you know the idea of partnership uh, we certainly see this as being a, a partnership going forward and um, getting the, the input from the music community to help us go in the right direction
0: yeah and I think that's a, a really good approach because that's one of the hardest things I think in any kind of particularly in a professional service, is really understanding what people want and tie that in with what they need. And that that sounds simple, but it's really not simple in, in a lot of cases. So I, I, I certainly applaud the efforts of, of the organization overall in, in understanding that and, and taking it into account because it is, it is critical. So, Ross, uh, we've got a minute and a half or so left. Uh, I guess we better make sure everybody knows
3: the website. gov. That's geodesy and dot gov. Um, I want to plug one other product or one other service that NGS has started over the last year, and that's a monthly webinar series. Uh, we have topics from in-house that we cover, but also we have people that are using different or have encountered different geodetic projects and such, and are present on it. So the the monthly webinar series, you can find information, sign up, getting an announcement of what it's going to be, and definitely tune in. Uh, Most of the regional advisors tune in, so it might lead to a discussion. You can watch the webinar series on some fascinating geodetic topic and then Enter a conversation with your regional advisor of of the details of what it all actually means.
0: Well, that's great information. I I really appreciate you guys being with me today. It's been fantastic to talk about this. I think a lot of people have heard about it, and now to actually hear you talking about it, and it will be a resource people can go back and and listen to. And Maybe as far as your your workshops are concerned, maybe that's something we can promote in our newsletter when, when the time comes and make sure everybody knows about them. So, yeah. again, thanks so much to all three of you for being with me today. It's been a fantastic show, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to get a lot of questions moving forward, but I really appreciate you being here.
3: Thanks, Kurt. Thank you. It's been great. Thanks, Thank
5: Kurt. You. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.